you know, uh, in today, when we're, I think we're, you know, uh, well, we've gone a half hour, but I think maybe I could define like what we're, I guess what we're doing today is like we're going through all this older 9-11 media and kind of ephemera that maybe we haven't gotten to before and kind of analyze it and see like, I don't know, like where, where we're at. And so like, we're, I, I, we're I, rambling I, about 9-11, but we're I, rambling I just, about 9/11, I just I mean, wanted to say, you know, uh, you know, it, I think that what you say about like the economic importance of the towers, like, I think that that even in like the most baseline, like mainstream, like official account of 9-11, like that was not irrelevant to like the motive of like the evil Muslims that did it, you know, like they, it wasn't just that they were pretty and iconic, you know, it was that like they were, well, they were iconic and symbolic of the United States economic power and of global capital, but yeah. They, you know, also actually were practically like an uh, economic hub and an important sort of fixture and command center for yeah. global and particularly finance in, in New York and the United States. Uh, so, so definitely totally. that was a consideration like in these attacks from like whatever angle you look at them. And I was just thinking like, you know, relative to the filing cabinet thing, like they're also just kind of like wicker man type like inferno pyres. And I, you know, they like, I don't know. It, it's just uh, very odd. I almost feel like they must have been when they were first built, just like lambasted for how ugly they are. Mm. I, I actually found out the other day that the, it was a Japanese American architect that was, uh, ironically enough, beloved um, by the Saudi royal family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that actually, I think, had him come and build some gigantic buildings in Saudi Arabia. And but that makes sense to me because they remind me of like that kind of austere like architecture that would appeal to like the Saudis. They're very like even if you look at the like buildings around them, like a lot of them are older and things like that, but they have like aesthetic elements. There yeah. are no aesthetic elements to this this building even like arguably wtc7 also pretty ugly yeah but definitely has more aesthetic elements you know there's a little bit of coloration you know like the windows kind of shimmer there's the only like like, kind of the only flourish um and i noticed this uh watching a documentary the other day and people have speculated about it but you know that like on the on the lobby the the bottom of the world trade center they have these kind of trident columns that yeah. kind of go up and then into mm-hmm. three things. Now, I think people have pointed them out. One, for uh, having almost a kind of Islamic um, yeah. architecture influence, and also that they represent the trident, which is actually right. like the, the weapon symbol, of the devil. The pitchfork. Yeah, yeah exactly. the pitchfork, which is actually a yes. trident. Um, yeah, yes. it's not a pitchfork. Mm-hmm. Uh, pitchfork is a populist weapon. That, yes, like, the I people do remember use. reading. They, well, they, they're kind of those um, like pointed arches, which yeah. were uh, like a, a very uh famous feature of kind of like gothic architecture but the reason for they were kind of an import from the islamic world uh that's kind of what i've mentioned of them before but yeah they do kind of also look up like look like uh upward pointed tridents mm-hmm. um yeah which is you know i'm looking at uh peering through.blogspot.com i've never seen this website before but this just came up when i searched for wtc trident and yeah there's a uh, you know, someone has recovered like two of the tridents. You know, they're all charred and rescued. WTC double tridents now reside in the 9 11 memorial. 33, a nod to our Masonic heritage. What? Mm. Wow. There's 33 of them that survived? 
Uh, there's two of them. So oh, three, three. Threes. Gotcha. Yeah, three, three. Gotcha. The logo also doubles as a W, which is said to stand for World Trade Center, as well as Westfield World Trade Shopping Center, set to open in 2015. Wow, I would also w. suggest that the letter W itself could be seen as a trident and likely a tribute to then President George W. Bush, oh my who God. I feel a was tribute? complicit in the acts of 9-11-2001. <laughs> yeah, it was a tribute. Dear God. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, the the other thing, the last thing I'll say about filing cabinet is, you know, um, I went on, I, I read Thomas Pynchon's Bleeding Edge this month, and uh, I went on the Trillbillies to talk about it with Terrence and Jimmy Fallon Gong. And uh, that, I feel like Pynchon, and I guess he wrote this in like 2013, he seems to be very, first of all, he seems to be very up on almost every current of like 9-11 truth and kind of conspiracy theories in general. It's a big theme throughout his work. But his whole kind of thrust in that novel is tying like the 90s SiliconAlley.com boom, which like we talked about in our episode about Josh Harris and the 9-11 attacks and kind of trying to tie some kind of like thread between the two. And these are like two things that never really get associated, you know, even though they happened in short span with each other. But there's all kinds of hints in that, that, for example, the kind of Josh Harrisy villain in it, Gabriel Ice, is uh, in the kind of the months leading up to 9-11, his company Hashlingers is just going around buying up like fiber optic cable. And stuff. And like he's buying up kind of like the infrastructure capacity of the internet that's kind of been abandoned, just like, I don't know, like Vanderbilt or Gould, like after a railroad bust, like he's buying up track like track line, you know, everywhere he can. And at, at first, uh, it's even kind of this funny Elon Musk thing where like one of the characters kind of comments on like, yeah, he's like gone insane. This is such a wacky thing for him to be doing. Like, why is he even like the, the internet thing is like in a slump right now. Why would you be buying all this infrastructure or this fiber optic cable things? And another character like points out, well, I think they even make kind of like an allusion to like copper and like telecom kind of shit and says something very like Gustavus E. Myers, Gustavus Myersy about how like, no, that's actually like the smart play. That's that's the, those are the types of people that that always win and like stay in the economy and don't get busted out. Like and to the extent that we think he's being like a wacky eccentric, he's actually doing something very smart. And so he's like buying up kind of like the fiber optic real estate that has been busted out after um, the dot com collapse. And then that that made me think about the fiber optic cables like running to I forget it was like to New Jersey or across the Hudson River on 9-11 where like it just so happened that the Federal Reserve either they were they were like testing out that system on 9-11. And so when the World Trade Center got knocked out. The Federal Reserve was like still online because it was running on like an off site like data center and that and with like state of the art fiber optic cable, blah, blah, blah. So it seems like Pynchon's even making some kind of weird allusion to like this uh, character who he repeatedly says is doing contracts with the NSA and the Pentagon and like the CIA and is sending money through Hawala networks, which is like a, you know, I mean that that I remember that being discussed before in the context around 9-11 of, like, how their money was flowing around. I mean, I assume you're familiar with Hawala, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's like basic, you know, it's like this old school technology that's all based on interpersonal relationships and, you know, uh, like sending money uh, internationally without really any paper trail and thus like no way to surveil it. And Pynchon seems quite obsessed with that as well. So I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, and also the, the, the thing that really jumps out of that novel is at one point the main character, Maxine, who's an accountant, goes uh, and talks to, she goes to this extremely waspy white shoe law firm, Hanover Fisk, and she talks with this waspy lawyer, Chandler Pratt, and she mentions that, I think, because she's gotten a weird video in the mail that is, like, of these guys, like, with a stinger missile on top of a building in New York, like, rehearsing something. And so she feels like there's going to be some kind of terrorist attack, and so she asks Chandler Pratt about it, and he's like, oh, like, let, let me go uh, make a phone call. And he kind of comes back and, like, basically, like, tells her, um, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And it's, like, basically <laughs> the wasps, like, know 9-11 is going to happen. Like, she goes and checks in with the wasps, and they all know 9-11 is coming. And, like, they're just not going to say anything about it. Like, it, it's basically, you know, it's, like, that's not the whole thrust of the book. But as far as anybody, because there's also, like, Israeli Mossad characters in it and all kinds of other people. And they seem to, he seems to lean more towards the idea that, like, the Israelis were aware that something was coming and uh, maybe to an extent even tried to warn the United States. But, like, the United States government did not want to listen to them. So that's why, like, that one shipping, that Israeli shipping company, like, abruptly broke their lease and like moved out of the world trade center like a week before 9-11 which of course gets spun into like bullshit about like all the jews got phone calls in the morning and like (laughs) which is not true like jewish people died like Uh, probably a lot of jewish people died uh in the world trade center but you know there was but there was an israeli company that might have had ties to Mossad. it makes sense that well if the fucking americans are not going to like stop this then we're gonna get our people the fuck out of the way so i don't know it's like you know pynchon is is hinting at that connection between high finance and which of course is like the bush family is intimately tied into and the 9-11 attacks and then you know the 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 rollout of the internet uh at, subsequent to that with its mass surveillance capability firmly baked in because of like the threat of terrorism and it has led very directly to like the world we're living in now actually in more ways than i would have even thought because now you know we just had another 9-11 in january and it's it's even more traumatic for some people than 9-11 itself Um, oh right yes i I saw some tweet about that which is truly insane it's really uh yeah if you're like me i have not forgotten For access to the full-length episode, subscribe to the Aware Frequency at patreon.com slash subliminaljihad. I hear people say, we don't need this war. I say there's some things worth fighting for. What about our freedom and this piece of ground? Didn't get to keep them by backing down They say we don't realize the mess we're getting in Before you start your preaching Let me ask you this, my friend Have you forgotten How it felt that day To see your homeland under fire 
and her people blown away. Have you forgotten when those towers fell? We had neighbors still inside going through a living hell. And you say we shouldn't worry about Ben Laden. Have you forgotten? They took all the footage.